0: the recruitment mentors community is now completely open for you to join it's the meeting point for recruitment professionals who want to take their development and growth into their own hands whether you're starting out your career or five years into it our mission is to empower you to accelerate your development with the most successful, collective, current, and responsive teachings from outside of your four walls. You can now join the community for just £39 per month by going directly to our website at recruitmentmentors.com. That's recruitmentmentors.com. Your new mentors are waiting to meet you. Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. My name is Hisham Mazouz. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Rachel Main, who is a director at Ventura Consulting, who are a boutique recruitment agency operating both in the technology and business change markets and the professional services markets. Um, Rachel entered the recruitment industry straight out of university in 2009, where she joined a company called Rulian IT, where she progressed from trainee to an executive within five years, Rachel then went on to manage and lead a team focused on the business change and IT transformation space before joining Venture Consulting as an associate director in 2017. And then since then, over the last four years, Rachel has been involved in helping grow the business and also is kind of responsible for supporting a delivery team of five consultants. Rachel, thank you for uh, joining me on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Hisham. It's a real privilege. Great to be here.
0: Amazing. So where we always like to start is in your opinion what characteristics what characteristics and traits do you think make up a highly successful recruitment consultant
1: the million dollar question I mean there are so many (laughs) (laughs) um, if we were to focus I think first and foremost and this goes across well for all of us really is positivity I think Mm. it encompasses a lot of other traits of course like your typical resilience and whatnot but I think unless you have a positive attitude then it's going to be difficult for you to succeed um it's about flipping like a negative situation and turning it into positive I think that's so important so having that mindset is really going to help you um so if you're a bit of a negative person I'm not saying recruitment isn't for you but you maybe just work on that mindset and I think you'll notice that things get so much better for you Um, I touched on it resilience of course you have to be able to get back on the horse as they say if a deal drops out or you get a rejection Um, I think self awareness is so important as well Um, having that strong emotional intelligence um, being professional of course but also having some personality and sense of humour I think marrying those two I think there are so many people that maybe a bit too professional and mm. i think it's always good to have have that personality because i think clients really like it It does make you stand apart um and then finally fluid intelligence i mean you have to be very reactionary every day in recruitment's different i think you need to have that in order to be able to survive really um mm. quite a few things but i'll say they're the most important traits from my perspective nice.
0: yeah i like that list so i guess before we sort of start unpacking your career, what what came up for me when you shared that, your first point? Because I think that's something that sometimes people early on in their recruitment career really have to work through. Yeah. How how positive was Rachel at the beginning of her recruitment career? How much of a positive mindset <laughs> did you have? Did,
1: I mean, I, I, I'm i not that great at talking about myself. It's more p- how people describe me. And I think, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, anyone that's listening that knows me, but um, I would say I've, I've always been of a very positive disposition um okay. obviously where did that I, come from knocks but I mean you've known me for a couple of years Hisham I think yeah. to, I mean I, I would say I, I'm naturally quite positive so I'd, I'd say that when I first started I was I was just as positive as I am today
0: yeah where, where I guess the reason why I asked is I'm interested to like, like where that came from was it that you surround <laughs> your family and friends were positive was it that's just uh, like you thought, well, what's the alternative? I don't know, anything interesting got, there?
1: Do you know what? It, that's really, it's a really interesting question. And I've got no idea. I think, <laughs> my, I mean, my mum, I, I look at her, she's a very positive person. The people I surround myself with are very positive people. And I think you sometimes you, you, you just have that, that mindset. And I don't think you often know where you've got it from. But I've been fortunate mm. that I do have it. And And I can tell negativity, I can really feel it if someone's being negative to me or if someone is quite a negative person. I just, um, I I, I, I shy away from that, really. I I, I can't really quite get my head around it. Love that.
0: Okay. Interesting. So let's, obviously, you've you've worked in the industry for sort of some time now, obviously straight Hmm. out of university. So I guess... What I'm always interested to hear, because it's typically the most challenging parts of um someone's career, particularly in recruitment, but like how how would you describe first year in recruitment, early days? Like how would you just des- describe that experience?
1: Wow. Well, the first year in recruitment is so uh, so fun. Well In back when you could go to pubs and go out and meet people, Um, it's the steepest learning curve. It's definitely the hardest year. I've been in recruitment eleven years now, and the first year is always going to be your hardest. And it's such a steep learning Mm. curve. You're joining an industry that you don't know anything about. Like I didn't even know the difference between contract and permanent. I didn't really know what recruitment was when I first joined. So you have to learn the industry, and then uh, learn your vertical market or whatever it is. So Mm. whatever skill sets they are and then within whatever sector there's so much and then learning how to close people learning the candidate management side there's so much information um and wanting to get that promotion um I just remember constantly being in competition with my peers um there were four (laughs) of us who, who were hired we were all grads um all very similar level I guess in terms of our cv um or academic background um and yeah. i think we were just all it was healthy competition we just all wanted to do the next deal we all wanted to get promoted first um so it was really um full on but um highly competitive but in a good way um and actually really enjoyable you did feel like you'd got that city job as, as cringing as that sounds but you know you're out a lot you meeting a lot of new people, going to nice restaurants, going to nice bars. But then also you're working really hard. You know, you're working the longer hours. So it was very high octane, I'd probably describe it as.
0: Mm, okay. And then j- just to frame out, because so you joined Rulian. And, yeah. Like, as, at the time, how, how big was that business? Because it's, um, it's quite a big business, isn't it, from what I understand? Well, I
1: didn't, I didn't actually realise how big Rulian was until I left. So, because um, really? I joined... Um, Tom Breeze and Andrew Shaw, who are now Ventilist founders. Um, at the end of 2009, i just graduated, I was the, f- the first one they actually hired in because it was just the, the two of them. They were setting up the London office. So right, even though Rulion has this big presence up in the north, in London, not many people had heard of them. And obviously I was it, the yeah. first into the office barring Tom and Andy. So it was kind mm. of like a startup, but with the backing yeah. of Rulion, even though Rulion wasn't, um massively well known in the south compared to our some of our competitors like aston sure. carton and you know like various others so i didn't realize how big really was because to me it was just us in that office
0: yeah yeah that makes sense okay and then when That's i, left really it, I like, oh, then. everyone
1: knows who they are so yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah. i guess so you spoke a bit about that first year i guess if i say to you what were some of the sort of biggest challenges that you maybe had to overcome in that first year? What what comes up for you, do you think? What were some of the things that you had to really push for in that first year?
1: Um, I don't think I was naturally the best closer of candidates, okay. in all honesty. Um, I had to learn a lot from um, Tom and Andy when it came to that, because I had some, when I first hit my promotion, um, I had a couple of, um, offers and I couldn't close either of them and I was absolutely gutted because yeah, yeah. I'd just been promoted I'd have been paid on the full commission scheme I'd got the client on or whatever it was the process but I couldn't close them and mm. now I'm like god Rachel what an idiot like it's you <laughs> like if you had done things differently so I actually struggled with that but um now I absolutely love it like I love having those conversations mm. I can really thrive on it so that's something that I was I was really scared to have those conversations back then, but once I understood what got to do, got more comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say that, mm. that was probably my my biggest challenge starting out.
0: Mm. Really interesting. So I guess in that, then, what if, again thinking back, and it doesn't have to be particularly your first year, but sort of sort of focusing on the theme of like early on in your career, what what was maybe sort of the best piece of advice that you received early on in your career? Do you think?
1: Under promise, over deliver.
0: Nice, yeah,
1: hundred percent, and that goes for everything in life. I, I find that's, <laughs> um, I that's so important. Mm. Okay. I mean, there is there's a lot of loads of lots of advice I've received and lots of sayings that really sum things up, um, but that's probably the main the main thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got that. So just to sort of frame it up for people for context so when you enter the industry and like where you are now have you because are you um have you always typically been in contract or has it been like a dual desk or like just give me a bit of context on that for people yeah. listening and can help help that
1: sure so when we started out we were predominantly permanent business um but in, okay. in Julian. Um, and then um uh, over a couple, once i started building my vertical out um so mm-hmm. towards the end of the 2010 um we were able to work both contract and permanent roles because you know if you're building a vertical market like you should be able to service both otherwise you're giving half your business to someone else so um rule on is really good with that if you've run your own business then you can work both the contract and the perm roles um so i was trained initially doing permanent but then as i uh, started to be a consultant doing new business i did contract as well um and then since then i've been doing both um when i joined venture in 2017 i was director of contracts um yeah but then since then obviously with the market changing due to ir35 and various other things um i now work across both again so i started perm did both then went contract and now i'm doing both
0: Okay, that's that's really honestly from the amount of conversations I had I've had I I would definitely wouldn't say that's like typical, mm. like obviously I'm sure so I, I don't I def- so I guess interested to dig into that I guess the thing that came up to me I, I really like the way that you put that well like why you're potentially giving away fifty percent of your business right yeah. or fifty percent of things so I guess what the question that came up for me straight away and you can sort of draw on any part of your career on this but like let's say like how have you become like what have you had to become better at to make sure that your end client your end customer knows that Rachel can support them not only on the permanent vacancies but also on contract um so I think it's like I don't know let's say that you've always supported me on a permanent basis how have you then made sure that you've maximized the opportunity to make sure that they know that at some point or they know that you can also support on the contract side like how have you always made sure that you Covered both.
1: Covered both. Good question. Um. So typically, you win contract business via working well with the client on the permanent side. Because naturally, well, more often than not, permanent roles are harder to fill than contract roles. Unless we're talking very niche okay. technologies. But on the whole... So it's quite difficult to win new contract business, but it's slightly easier to win new permanent businesses, what I've found. So you do a good Mm. job on the permanent side, and then your client will, more often than not, give you contract roles to work on as well. Um, There are times when clients haven't even realized that I've worked contracts, and that's something that happened early on. So I've always been really, uh, I've always made sure that I've let them know all of our service Mm. lines. Um, because obviously there's other things like the retained search piece as well. So um, mm. I've always been aware that it's really important to get a meeting with the client and explain exactly what your service lines are. So and um, and then if there's any doubt, I would always ask the question, "Oh, so now we filled this permanent role for you? Who looks, do, do you hire contractors? Um, how many contractors mm. do you have on site? How how do you onboard them? And just have those conversations." there is nothing wrong with asking that like you are a business person and, and you're here to provide solutions. So, so you should be able to, to provide them with both.
0: Yeah. Both, uh, I love that. And I think the, the key part there is that you've like, it's about ask if you're asking the question when it, we're in the sort of positive dynamic, aren't we? Where you might have placed someone that I've been looking for and we're having that conversation whilst you've just delivered for me. You get what I yeah, mean? You're course. asking that question.
1: Yeah. Um, and of course, there's, there's been so many times where I've had fixed term contracts, which I know are rife in the market at the moment with IR35. And I flipped them and said, look, would you consider a day rate contractor? This is what you could get if you had this budget. And more often than not, they're like, wow, this is the level. Yeah, sure. Let's get them in for three months and see how it goes rather than committing to, say, a nine month FTC. So you can flip them like that. Um so I think it's always really important to be really clear with with the solutions you can provide, because we are a solutions mm. provider. We're not just, um, you know, send me a requirement and I'll fill it. We have to offer extra, mm. I think.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I love that. That That's really great. So I guess just focus on this for a second, because I think it's interesting like if I'm listening right now and I don't know, maybe in my in my business, there's separate teams, people that just do permanent, some people just do contract, right?
2: Yeah.
0: I guess how would you dis- like if someone would be open to potentially doing both, or at least making sure they're asking the question, getting those opportunities where they then could pass it on to people that could fill it, but that, that could then mean they could get a share of the commission or whatever, yeah. right? Just just maximize the opportunities they have in their market. Mm. How would you what would you say are like maybe the top three things that you need to master that are a bit different to being a permanent focused recruiter. If we're then sort of going down the path of providing our clients with contract talent, fixed term contract, what are the sort of key things that you need to become really good at that may be slightly different to the permanent side?
1: Okay. Um, um, speed of delivery. Number mm. one. I mean, you can't be, I have, I set myself a deadline whenever I get a contract role, to have it delivered within 24 hours, no matter what, um, right. three people minimum, um, with permanent, you obviously, there are less people. Typically you can have maybe a week or so to go out, do your LinkedIn headhunting, however you do it. But with contract speed is so important. I've seen a lot of people who have tried to do contract, but they're just not quick enough. Um, yeah. So I think just being really astute with that, like, look, I've got even, even if they don't give you a deadline, you say to them, "You will have three of the best candidates by close a business on X day, which would be twenty-four mm. hours, and you just have to to get it delivered because if you don't, then someone else will." Mm. So
0: that's number so one. Urgency, urgency, speed.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, number two. <laughs> this. You're going to have a lot of response, whether it's ad, advert, if if you're searching, headhunting. Um, typically, at the moment as well, there aren't that many contracts out there, so you have to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff. So cool. you could be looking at hundreds of CVs for like a business analyst, for example. All the CVs mm. look the same. How am I going to differentiate? So I think you have to be to know your market well enough to be able to tell which person is better than the other. So I guess like market knowledge. And being able to identify the best out of a big, but like um, a big, little, yeah, large yeah. DVDs, if that makes sense. So I don't know how you sum that up in one word. Hisham.
2: <laughs> That's okay.
0: No, I, I guess what you're saying there is, yeah, you have to get, you be, expect maybe a lot more interest than you would maybe a permanent position oh. and there's going to be potentially a lot more people in the market. So like you have to again, it's speed, isn't it? It's, you have to get really professional and speedy at what do I, what is it that I know I need to look for and what Mm -hmm. are the sort of minimum requirements and Mm -hmm. and get really good at that. So that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And I think that ties itself into time management as well. You need to dedicate Mm. time, right. I'm going to dedicate this, this afternoon to getting three of the best candidates. I'm going to make sure that I've covered all different angles off to make sure that I've got the best person rather than my competitors. So it's really about managing your diary effectively um, mm. and just being quite ruthless sometimes if you're not quite sure about someone not maybe not the right cultural fit personality, there are so many other people with similar skill sets. so knowing a client well it really helps too because you'll see oh, they've worked at X company I know they love people from X company. that person's going to the top of my pile so it's just being quite a student yeah, yeah. That way. Um, yeah there's no reason why you can't be good at permanent and good at contract. I think people that think they're one or the other I mean that could be the case, but I don't see any reason why you couldn't be good at both.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then you're yeah, obviously living testament of that. So I guess because you've touched on it, let, let's let go into it. But one of the most popular sort of questions and areas that people are really interested in, Rachel, is time management, is how did Rachel sort of early on in her career structure her day to like how she now structures her day? Do you get what I mean? Mm, so just because you mentioned yeah. one of those really important tips being time management, it's clearly you've, you've been doing this for 11 years now, right? So something that you yeah. probably had to get really good at. Yeah. So I guess so, so. Am I like? Let me ask that question to you then, if it if it's okay with you, because people mm-hmm. want to know basically, like, what did Rachel do when? How did Rachel structure her days when she was billing? I don't know, hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred k. Just maybe early on in her recruitment career. To then, when you was bill, billing double that or whatever, what did you change in your day? What what became non negotiable and stuff like that? So I guess how how does your day look now compared to how it looked? early on in your career you think that you had to refine and get better at
1: it's a difficult one because the obviously every day is, is is different you know something could happen that takes you you could have a dropout that's meant to start on that morning and you have to like rework yeah. it so, you know i wouldn't i don't get too hung up on like every day i do this religiously okay. because it doesn't work like that in recruitment in my opinion i know the people yeah,
2: yeah.
1: may make so i When it comes to week, I always make sure I had time for business development, whether it's now or back then. I think no matter what level you're at, you always need to have your eye on the next client, um, the next new client. So I'll dedicate, I mean, most days I'll dedicate at least two hours, I'd say, to business development. Um, Obviously, there are urgent roles that need delivering, so the usual put the job up the night before, go through yeah. your response, do your LinkedIn project the night before as well, come in and do your callbacks, all pretty standard stuff. Um, and then you would you may have client calls as well. But every morning what I do, I get up, I would say I'd, I'd start work these days, say about 8 o'clock with our call at mm. 9 o'clock, but I'd have my to-do list written down for the day. Um, yeah. sometimes I do it the night before it, it, it really depends so I keep structured to so that I obviously keep ticking it off but as we know things can happen during that day and kind of keep you off yeah. and like drag you off course but I just keep my list and I keep making sure that I do everything on that list before I leave, leave the office mm. so it's not there's no magic way to structure a day I don't think because I think everyone's mm. everyone's like clients are different everyone's industries are different or, or how they work but keeping that making sure you're getting good candidates out making sure your clients are happy and then looking for the next new business opportunity yeah. are The, are the most okay. important
2: things. no I, I love that
0: and i think what i what i find interesting about that which i think comes up time and time again with more experienced recruiters is always making space for that new business time for that business yeah. development time because i think early on you can get a bit complacent with that can't you you're like, right, yeah. I've, got, I've got these jobs on now. I'm, I'm in the press filling. I'm just going to focus on that. And I'd, and then all of a sudden you get towards the end of the month, you're like, oh my God, I've filled all these jobs. And now I need to restart that and th-
1: th- yeah. th- get
0: onto the new new business focus again, right?
1: Yeah, so, I've seen that so many times where people have got so bogged down in what they're delivering or managing accounts and stuff. And then suddenly they fill those roles and there's nothing else in the pipeline. Mm. So it's really important to keep it consistent. And then you
0: feel like you're feeling like it's going up an uphill battle then, and then you might be going, yeah. to, you're just making it difficult for yourself, aren't you? I guess. Yeah. I think to be a
1: consistent um, ability, you kind of have to keep consistently do, doing the business development. I think that it's, mm. it's, it's as simple as that.
0: Yeah. So let's just, I was going to ask you about sort of, do you sort of set goals and stuff like that? Cause that's a really popular area, but let me, because again, we've gone into new business, right? Like mm. that, that, like client development is like the most popular development area for recruiters. It, really? it just is every time, okay. like, generally. Is this, yeah,
1: like, is it this new business or existing accounts? New business, new business.
0: Yeah, but I want to okay. 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 Yeah. I'm, I'm go over that with you because I know from the context that I have, you've been good at expanding accounts as well. We, it's all it's very easy to go straight to like new business, but I think mm. it's sometimes there's a lot of missed opportunities in terms of expanding accounts like instead of just doing spot business right so um I guess because we've spoken about it let's just talk about um again you can draw on different parts of your career but let's just talk about your journey with new business right so it's something that you always make time for in your weeks because as we just said that sort of really helps you be a become more of a consistent Mm biller. so I guess the first question I have for you and you can maybe say a couple of things but what comes up for you but like what has been like the most effective and reliable way for Rachel to win new business like throughout your career doesn't have to be one thing but like what what things have just been the most effective and reliable way for you to continue to win new business and ensure yeah. that you're keeping that pipeline filled
1: yeah i think having a, obviously a vertical market so market specialism i think is key mm. So when I first started yes. out, I had um, something called Lean and Six Sigma, which is a process improvement method- okay. methodology, which is really big. Um, when I joined recruitment, because it was the turn, what was the financial crisis, and a lot of the banks were wanting yeah. to make cost savings. I'm not going too much detail of that. But um, so ever since I started, I had a vertical. And the more and more I, I spoke to people about it, I pulled my leads, and I kept getting the same names. I was like, I'm going to win this account um and i just keep going send, and i knew i knew exactly what they wanted because i qualified the leads perfectly and i had someone that i knew was mm. perfect i know as soon as this ca- client sees a cv we'll get an interview and that's exactly what happened so um mm. it was that really good market intelligence being like fervent with it you know just persistently every day going through the job boards. who else has come on um speaking to people basically and getting that market information and then sending them the ideal candidate so it has been I guess specking out as we call it but from that I've grown accounts and I've kept clients from that approach that have worked with me for Mm. for years and years now so that's what I found the most effective um hot, hot leads getting as much information specking in someone who is perfect and and then going from there. Of course, it doesn't work every time. Back in two thousand nine, it may have been a bit a bit easier than it is now because we had switchboards as well that we could call yeah. the clients up and sell the candidates in. But when I look back at the, and, and even to this day, an account that I won a couple of weeks ago, it was it it was within that vertical. I saw they were hiring. I knew it'd be a tough hire because the salary. I called them up, said I'm a specialist in this area. I think we've actually spoken about roles before when you're looking, and then and then they're like, right, well let's let's give you a go you, you, you clearly know what you're talking about so knowing your market inside out and mm. approaching people in the right way and a targeted and concise way that's what i found works
0: it's just consistently right yeah okay yeah interesting because if, if let, sorry
1: well, i was gonna say no, no, go if on. you have what you know the client wants then they don't care mm. what agency they pay they're already paying an agency fee, but you just have to tempt them with mm. that. And then it kind of goes from there.
0: Yeah, yeah. i got you. So yeah, really double down on your market knowledge and intelligence. And I yeah. think ju- just in your opinion, because I think sometimes people can get that mistrade as if like they, like people listening to this have to like be as competent as the people they place like in their job. But like all the people I speak to, it isn't that it's actually the intellig- intelligence of knowing who's doing what, what company's grown? what company isn't growing, where the opportunities are. So when you say like really double down on your market intelligence, like what, what do you exactly mean by that? Just, just to sort of make that really clear um, for people, where can people really double down?
1: Knowing who's who's hiring, as you say, knowing exactly what they're looking for mm. um, and being able to have a good conversation with the client about it. I know this is the, like, like understanding their pain points Say, so, look, would you be open to, to, to reviewing this CV? I've worked with X Compass, I know that you're doing something really similar. They've got great references, and just really selling the candidate, But knowing about your market, knowing about the skill set, and and what that client pain point is, like, wow, like this person really does know what they're talking about. They're not just a salesperson trying to trying to get mm. g- um, get money about money out of them. We're actually trying to solve their problem. Because as we know in recruitment mm. on contingency, it's you know no win no fees so they're not paying us anything until until they they make that offer so it's just about being really consultative in that and and knowing what you're talking about and there's a lot of people that say oh you know i don't really understand my vertical so i've only been in it six months it's like you need to understand it like do whatever you need to do like read books speak to, to as many people within the industry as possible you can't make excuses like if you're giving a market you should know it inside out as, as, as soon as you can because it because if you don't then then you won't sound credible and, mm. and you won't win the business
0: yeah okay so let's let's transition this then to something that clearly you've done really well in your career as well because you just mentioned it as in like you've that's how you may have that's been a really consistent way of you winning business yeah so and how how has then Rachel become really good at making sure that we're then building actually long-term client relationships and we're building clients for for the long run um so I guess how have you gone about one making sure that you're building long-term relationships um with clients Mm -hmm. so then it's not just okay yeah we gave Rachel a chance she's placed it that was great cool that that that's that Mm -hmm. end done um and then the other part of the question the second part of the question is then how have you become Good at going taking a good client that's spending x to a great client that's spending double that or triple that.
1: Well, it's, that's quite a big question, really. I'll try to um, address it from um, from my experience. So in terms of developing long-term relationships, the number one thing is via delivery. If you deliver mm. them the best candidates, then, then they'll come back to you. And I mean, adventure as a whole, and and something that I believe for like I really believe in is developing these long-term relationships. I'm not interested in coming in, doing one deal, charging a high rate, and then walking off. It's like the hardest thing is opening the business in the first place, in my opinion. Mm. So why would you then walk away? You want to maximize that as much as you can. So what I would do in the normal world, I'd go out, have a meeting with them, maybe go for a lunch, go for a drink coffee, whatever it is, um, get to know them more on that kind of personal level, um, and then say, look, is there anyone who you'd recommend that I could speak to in the business? And you'd be surprised how many people say, actually, I know my colleague's looking for this. Do you guys do this? Oh, yes, like, it's not my area, but X person um, is like, is an expert in, say, developer roles. Yeah. Um, so, again, it's by asking the question. It's always better doing that on a face-to-face because people – give away a lot more when you're with them face-to-face yeah, you know, yeah. the way it's a bit awkward if they <laughs> say oh no like you can't work with me anymore so that that's really important when things go back to normal I, I, I can't wait to go meet my clients again i just think that it will help me develop my current clients even more um so asking that question would you be happy to sponsor me over to this colleague would you be able to cc me mm. in um most of my relationships in fact i was looking through this morning pretty all my roles are on exclusive. So what I would say, I've d- done a good job for you. You've been wanted for fill this role for X amount of months. Would you be happy to work with me exclusively moving forwards? This means mm. I'll be able to give you a more dedicated delivery team, et cetera, et cetera. So it's about asking the questions. And if you've done a good job, there's no reason why they wouldn't want to introduce you to their colleagues, why they wouldn't want to give it to you on exclusive. Mm. And my best client is someone that I've I um, specced a candidate into on my first day as a consultant. It was so fluky, but she's actually a really good <laughs> friend of mine as well. And she's, she's hooked <laughs> me up at four different clients since that yeah. first meeting when I was 21 back in 2009. So yeah, yeah, yeah. meeting people a lot, keeping in contact and letting them know, like, you you are still here, you're still available and you want to work with them more.
0: Mm. I love it. I know I know you may think, oh, it sounds like quite basic and simple, but I think it's just so important for people to hear like how like the most important thing is that you're delivering that you're providing a great level of service and you and that needs to be your standard because yeah. if you really focus on that, then the opportunities is long term, as you just mentioned, a huge, but and then it's yeah. about what clearly you've probably had to become better at is making sure you're asking questions like, okay, well, I've done a good job here. Let's, let's talk about me ha- being exclusive on the next row. And this is the reason why, or, Hey, yeah. look, you know, I've done a good job here. Can, is there anyone else that I can speak to? So it seems like you've got better asking the question, but it all stems from Rachel, someone that delivers Rachel, someone that has really provided for us. And then it, that's what gives you the opportunities.
1: Definitely. And uh, there's nothing wrong with asking these questions. What's the worst that can happen? They say, oh, no, sorry, we have to use this other agency. OK, no problem. Well, I'm confident that, I, you know, I will continue to fill these roles. And then guess what? In six months time, they're like, actually, I think we're just going to use you now. So, you know, you have to prove yourself, of course. Um, but if you've done a good job, there's absolutely no harm. And I find account development so much easier than new client um, mm. development. Like, I mean? yeah, so yeah. getting the term signed to getting the first one in is so much harder than developing the client
0: mm. yeah okay love it so just for context when when did you start sort of um managing or leading people being responsible for other people
1: oh gosh quite early on i think um it must have been within my second year at Rulion, i'd say
2: oh wow okay um
1: so uh, it's always been very meritocratic in that if you win clients and if you have enough work on you'll get someone to come and help you resource. So mm. from very early on, I've always had someone who who was able to support me on the delivery support. side. Yeah. Because from the company's perspective, it would free me up to win new clients. So yeah, yeah. I've always had a resourcer from from quite a, a young, a young age, really.
0: Yeah, sure. And I think Correct me if I'm wrong, obviously with Ventura now, is it a bit of a similar, like obviously we, we mentioned in, in the introduction that you're responsible for supporting a delivery team. So I guess just, yeah. just interested to, to hear your thoughts really on, because I think there's companies that obviously you've got 360 and, and different, different models, right? But I guess yeah. why do you feel having a sort of hybrid delivery model it is a good one? So where i.e., yeah, like you just said, maybe Rachel, you spend a lot of time uh, developing existing and new new clients Mm -hmm. and then you've got obviously recruiters that might be early on in their career who maybe start building their networks and communities in the candidate side but and then build yeah start building confidence and get good at getting then leads from candidates and going into clients but they're also supporting you and getting that experience i don't know what what, why do you think that's a potential good model and how why do you think it works
1: so that's a new kind of model that we've adopted um after recent Mm, okay um it's kind of like um a a hybrid model so it's where we bring people in who've got maybe six months or so of experience on the deliver on the resourcing side so pretty strong on that side um and we can bring them in and they'll they'll have two separate commission plans so you'd have the delivery so the resourcing i guess um commission scheme um but then you'd also have your new business scheme which is obviously um a lot more uh, rewarding so without giving people bringing, hiring people saying, look, you have to do new business, you're gonna get no support. We wanted to get people so to get up and running, doing their resourcing deals, so having some money coming in, because I, I appreciate how important money is, especially at, at, that, at yeah. that stage in your in your career. But then we're also saying, look, we can help develop you on the business development side of things and you will be rewarded. You know, if you any new client you bring in, it will be yours like for as long as you're venture for. And also, I'm more than happy to help open those clients up for them as well. Um, as a director, I'm not paid on individual billing. So it doesn't matter to me whether or not it's my client or it's my 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 Hello. delivery consultant. So. That's great in a way because it means that we can all work together and help the company grow as well. So it's that hybrid model of doing the resourcing side, get, getting that money coming in quite early, but then also being able to do the, the business development side, but not just being thrown in the deep end and like sink or swim, which I know a lot of companies still do for some god knows reason. But uh, yeah, got it. But but it's working well so far.
0: Mm. Which is good. So what? Why? Just why? Why do you think that? That's I don't know why have you gone down that route for out of interest?
1: Um, I think bringing people on with a bit of experience is uh, quite um, obvious because we're working from home and right mm. now, and it's just knowing that people know the basics is it's it's so much easier to get them up to speed. Um, when yeah. we return to the office, who knows it may change, but this is how it's how it's working for us right now, um, and I think it works really well because people can be really taking that step into business development is the most daunting, scary period of your recruitment career. I know I've, I've been through it. Um, this is such a softer landing because, of mm. course, we love people to come in and win loads and you can straight away, but reality is that mo- most people don't, don't do that. So it's, it works because you're not alienating people or people aren't getting upset because they're not doing any deals. You're keeping that momentum, and they are adding to the business, they are adding value to the business, um, but then also if they want to go out there and pull their own leads and chase their own leads, there is that scheme available and there is support available. So it means that people can progress at their own rate. Um, and not necessarily beating them with a stick to, 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 open new clients, which often leads to very like toxic work culture and uh, as essentially people leaving. So, um, I can't speak on their behalf, but I think that the, the people we've hired recently are really enjoying the model and, um, and, and hopefully it continues.
0: Yeah, nice. Yeah, I think the sort of key thing that you said there is that sort of soft landing, because I went through that and it is it can be daunting. You've built up business development in your head. It's like not something that you've got used to. And then, yeah, it can be a challenging transition. So so that that makes sense. So I guess what I was just keen to um, talk a bit about then was, yeah, your, your journey with leadership, your journey with communicating with people from a team perspective, getting the most out of your team and stuff like that. So I guess I guess the first thing like what along your journey what have been some of the sort of challenges or hurdles because a lot of the time people will say that sort of being in that billing manager role or just being in a role where you're billing it managing your own performance and managing other people's performance is one of the most difficult roles in recruitment and yeah. typically like you how like typically a lot of people that end up in that role may not have any form of leadership training yeah. um or anything like that so they they have to sort of learn on the job and Go through these sort of challenges. So, I guess what what have been some of the things that you've had to work through, which you've had to become better at, in terms of things that you may have found more difficult early on in your leadership career, when you had to manage other people's performance.
1: Yeah, there's been a few things, really. Um, I think when I first, I mean, I always had a resource as I mentioned, but not necessarily yeah. a billing um, consultant. So with a resource, okay. it was kind of quite easy to manage because I'd just, you know, give them the jobs. I'll go do my BD, happy days. When it becomes yeah. like more billing, you looking after billing consultants, you're not an individual biller anymore. And I think that that's the hardest thing to get over. Before I was so obsessed yeah. with how much I was billing, how much I made the company, how many clients mm. I brought in. And now you have to shift. It's like, no, Rachel, it's not about you. It's about the company. And it's about that. It being more, more selfless and being like actually hang on it's mm. not just about me being top biller it's about us billing an amount for the company and for everyone to be doing mm. really well because there is nothing better than a team where everyone's smashing their targets it's just such a good environment and that's when recruitment's at its best so I think initially that was my problem um but then I I, I soon got over that and I, and I saw the benefit um and something what was the
0: benefit just quick one on that so because I think that's probably the most common thing is yeah not just not just waking up every day and going right how much am I going to build this month or am I closer to target but as you said become more selfless so like what what did you have to tap into or what made when you did sort of tap into that what made it worth it where did you get maybe your buzz from or what where was you surprised that actually you got a lot of enjoyment out of I realized
1: that other people doing well because of how I've help them and train them is actually more rewarding than, than myself um and that's yeah. uh, a mindset thing I think as you get older as well you, you naturally have um you know watching some like your first someone open their first client themselves um is such a great feeling because then you can say look I've told you like you can do it and they're <laughs> so happy yeah. and you just get excited for their rather than it being yourself it's someone else and you like I've I feel like I need to import the part of onto other people. I'd just be selfish if I was just to concentrate on myself and focus on my own development, watching other people be prove themselves wrong. You know, you have ups and downs, you have times in the meeting room where they're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to bill. I'm not going to mm. target. Then when they do it, I'm like, look, you can, you can do it. And it just shows that mm. the, 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 if you can make other people successful, then it is, it is the best feeling. And you also know that you're not completely useless as well. The <laughs> if, if <you laughs> other people doing well, you yeah. know, it, it is, it is a boost for yourself. Um, definitely. And, and, and as I said, there, there is no better feeling than when everyone's smashing it. Um, mm, you know, I love that. it's the typical recruitment thing. Go out for lunch early on a Thursday or Friday. Don't go back to the office, you know, um, that is a big reason of why I joined recruitment was for those, for those moments. So I think it's, Mm. uh, yeah, I think it's great when you can can contribute to that.
0: Some, something you just mentioned there, which is a really popular question that I get is like what you just said there around people going, look, Rachel, I can't do it. I'm finding it difficult. I'm doubting myself. I guess sort of people and particularly managers or people going on uh, early on on that leadership sort of journey have to, i think that's something they have to deal with quite quickly where they will have people in their team doubting themselves and, and not have that confidence so i guess the question is is like in those moments how how have you got better at what where do you typically go to help them carry carry on or help them start believing themselves or make them feel like they can, they can do it even though they're doubting themselves
1: i think you have to leave lead from the front um mm. and i think you have to like understand the situation and explain why it's happened, and you have to flip. I always say this flip, flip negative in like into a positive. If people are getting down on themselves, I'll say, "Well, last year you you um you did X, Y, and Z." Like everyone has blips, no mm. one's consistent. Not every quarter is going to be amazing for everyone for every in every year. It's just not going to happen. So you, yeah. I bring it back to times when their things did go well, and I'll say, "Look, what did you do then?" How are you doing it differently now? Like we need to get back to that to that mindset. What's gone wrong? Is mm. it actually like you could control, or is that life? Has this deal dropped out because that sometimes happens? And it's just about dissecting exactly the situation and then saying like, look, it's not. It might not even be their fault. You know, it's it's just a bad run of luck, which we know can happen. Um, it's just mm. being positive, making people realize that it's just a you know, f- former temporary class is permanent. I do really believe that you will have times. And I say, look, I'll I'll draw back on examples when it's happened to me in, in my past, just to show that like there is there is light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Mm, yeah, no, I love that. And let's let's talk about that for a second, because I think like clearly you're someone that does have a positive mindset and outlook. Um, and, and yeah, it sounds like you're helping people it, it, along your career start sort of seeing the positive and stuff like that. But I guess. What, what have been, I mean, the, the question that sometimes I get, and you can, this could be a question to frame up, doesn't have to be that you've experienced this, but basically people want to know, like, what's the question is like, what's the longest you blanked and how did you recover? So so Uh people want to know, like, what have been the darkest days and how did you like get back on the, to get to those highs in recruitment? Do you know what I mean? So feel free to answer the longest time you did blank and then how did you recover or just sort of draw on an experience where you're like, you know what, I really had to pick myself back up there. And, and how did you do that?
1: Okay. Well, I mean, I'm a positive person, but obviously there are days and times when I get very angry. <laughs> and frustrated, so I don't know if would think yeah. I'm one of these people that's positive all the time because, because, things do happen. Um, in terms of blank, there's never been a massive, like, maybe a two, two months which actually mm. about it is, is actually quite a long time um, if you didn't come back. So um, I can't remember what year it was. I think I think it may have been the end of my second year or third year, but um, it, it, it happens to everyone. Um, even mm. now, there, there are months where I don't contribute as much as the other directors do. I mean, I'm thinking like January, for example, I think I did a, like a couple of deals, the, the rest of the guys mm. are six or seven. Um, brought it back this month. Um, so we're on a level playing field now, but it, it still happens. And um, thinking back of a time where I hit, hit my my lowest low um, was my second year. It was a new business deal um, with, with RBS. I mean, I can say the client because I don't work with them anymore, but um, obviously yeah. that's a banking client. When spec someone into a senior role, it would end up being the 30, 30 grand deal. The guy accepted... Mm signed this contract, I was like, Oh my god, and the thirty grand new was a steal my, in my it was actually my first year as a consultant, second year in recruitment.
2: Wow.
1: And I was like, oh my God, Rachel's amazing. And then the guy called me like um the Friday before and said, Oh, I've been counter offered three different jobs at X Place where he was. Um oh. I'm, I'm gonna have to take it. And I was like, Oh my God. And and I remember crying when I got home and it takes quite a lot to make me cry, but that <laughs> that wasn't I said, I just can't do it. I, I like, I, I can't do recruitment anymore. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I look back and I was like, oh my god! Like I was twenty, twenty-two, and I've done a thirty grand new business deal my first year. Like now I'm thinking, like to get it to that point, I should be positive. Okay, it didn't mm. go over. I didn't get my big payout, but I can look back on that now. So if anyone's going through similar things like that, just be happy that you got to that point and. know if it if if it goes in amazing but if it doesn't don't be too hard on yourself because you because only you have got that to that point for that particular i love
0: that yeah i love that so it's changing the focus on not it's changing the focus on the outcome and actually the focus on the process and the journey to get to that point is something that well actually i've done really well there this is what i've learned this is what i've done well like okay it didn't go my way this time but that's actually a great achievement
2: yeah, um,
1: exactly. Because I love the next that. time it will go in. And it's like, and I've mm. always said this to the, the junior guys, you think about what can I add to the business. Um has was there anyone else who could have made that 30 grand with that client at that point in time? It's like, no, there wasn't because there wasn't anyone else at that point. So you have to think this
2: mm.
1: is what I like, we wouldn't even have even had this opportunity if it wasn't for me. And I know that's a very kind of like um being quite boastful but you have to believe in yourself in recruitment because if you don't and the negative thoughts come in they will take over you so you have to back yourself um Mm. but also self-awareness I think it is it's an important balance
0: yeah I love that so I have to before we before we finish I have to I I wanted to definitely go over this with you so uh, women in recruitment right let's just let's just talk about this right
2: yeah
0: so Obviously, you entered the recruitment industry at yeah, an early age. Um, yeah. Straight out, you need these types of things. So I guess there's a few things that um, I'd be interested to ask you. But whenever I've sort of had uh, women in recruitment on this podcast, what typically seems to happen is that, like, as Rachel goes through her career, there's not as many women to look up to and go, wow, I want to get to that director's spot or where that woman is I want to get to. Right. Whereas for maybe like me, for example, I could join the industry, and there'll be loads of men to look at and go, "Wow, I want, I want to replicate what they've done." Right. Yeah. So I guess the the question is is one, how have you found being a female in recruitment and and carving out your journey in in the recruitment industry? How, one, how have you found that? And then two, like from that experience, like how do you feel that we can get more females one into the industry, but two into positions like yourself where you're now a director at a business you're involved in actually growing the business not just putting numbers on the board. so yeah one how's your experience and journey been and two how do you think we can actually move the the needle and impact more female to get more female role models in in the industry
1: um I've always worked in a really male-dominated environment, um, mm. so uh, strangely I, I kind of feel used to it, and, and it's really bad because um, it shouldn't be as male-dominated as it is. And I would love to empower mm. other women because I think that women add so much, especially in a boardroom, yeah. and uh, you know that emotional intelligence and. Um, how have I found it? I mean, I've always been surrounded by a lot of men, so you kind of adapt. I think it is, and um, I've been lucky. Like my bosses have always been very fair. You know, it's never been a gender thing, um, and in some ways, it's kind of helped my career be, being a woman because when you're in a minority, mm. you out more. So when I'm pitching people, when I first started out, I was kind of this northerner female. Most of the guys are southern, or well, the southern men. <laughs> So it already made me stand out. And um, my best clients are, are all, well, all the randomly, the majority are women from Scotland. And I don't know whether that's because it was refreshing for them to have a Northern lady or maybe I'm reading too yeah, much. Yeah. It, but and we get on really well now, you know, we still go out for drinks. So I think it actually benefited me because I was different to other people Um other recruiters out there.
0: So you took a positive disposition on it again, instead of viewing it as a disadvantage, you used it actually as an advantage.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes it's better to be in the minority for some things because it means that you can, like you are different. And um, I don't know whether it was that having a female, for some people it might be more comforting or trusting or whatever it is. I, I don't know, but I actually quite enjoyed that and um the more you move upwards it is that there's the, the hardly I couldn't say a woman um in my in my uh vertical market at at the same level as me that, that I've ever been on a PSL with or met for a client meeting or anyone like that and um, they've they've all been men and mm. it's just that you kind of accept but thinking about it it, it is strange, and it is something that I like, I don't understand why. Because the, the female creatives we have in our team, they're all great. Um, mm. I I don't understand why it is so male dominated. To be honest with you,
0: yeah, it is. Yeah, no idea. But I think the important thing is is that we're talking about it, you know, and there's conversations as to why is this. What what can companies, what can guys do more to make it more inclusive, make it more welcoming for. Female. So, I guess what I don't know. What do you have any thoughts on? Like, how can we encourage more sort of women and and diverse um, people into the recruitment industry?
1: I don't know if it's about encouraging them into the industry, I think it's about sustaining them and making sure they stay within the industry and don't leave. Mm.
2: Yeah. Great Honestly,
1: like our intake recently has been very female dominated. Um, and we don't judge on gender, it's just the best person to get the job, and it's just so happened that, that three out of the four of them have, have been women. Mm. So why are they coming in at this level? Why and why but why are they not fil- filtering up to the top? I think that that's my
2: yeah.
1: my my main question. Is it the fact that there's men men at the top that d- don't have don't understand how to communicate with women as well? know how to make i mean not with my case obviously because i'm where i am but within other companies is it a bit of a boys club are women not viewed as equals in some way are they commented about in the office there's there's so many things is it the work culture that drives them out is it the job that drives them out is it lack of support is it lack of female role models that's the big question for me is why do we have so many people come in entry and then they don't progress upwards yeah
0: yeah that's a really great point so I guess who, who was your role model then? Did you have a role model? Like how, how do you feel? How do you feel like you, you said there that you sort of actually like embraced that you were in the minority and, and that's something that you tried to use in a positive way, but like, who was your role model and how did you make sure that you sustained your career and push through and, and got to where you wanted to? Um, I'm not
1: really big on role models. Um, okay. I, I think there are people in this life that you meet that you're inspired by and you mm. want to be proud and you want to strive to do the best for them. There isn't one particular person that I was in awe of I want to progress up was maybe because there wasn't any women at that level, perhaps. But I've okay. been inspired by a lot of individuals and obviously um, my, my current bosses, Tom and Andy, who have obviously been there throughout my career, they're the ones that have spurred me on. You know, I want to do deals to make them proud. I want to do well to make them proud. I want to prove to them that I'm the best at what I do. So I think it's been more um, taking inspiration from people more senior than me and wanting to do the best to make them proud of me. Obviously, um, money is uh, a motivator, but for me, it's about doing a good job. And cross-bench, it's about us doing a good job for our clients, and being the best we can be. And then the rest kind of comes, comes along with it. Um, mm. so no particular role model, but there are people who have inspired me along the way. Of course.
0: Love that. Okay. I've got five final questions for you.
1: Okay. Go for it. Okay. Yeah.
0: So first one, if, if you could change the industry, what yeah. would you improve?
1: Um, <sighs> I don't think this is answering the question, but what I would like to change is people's perception of the recruitment industry. Mm. So I'm not sure this this um, answers the question exactly, but I think we get a lot of stick. I don't think people realise what we do in the background sometimes to get these deals in uh, or to get candidates to start. Um, so I, I think we've got a very negative. I think we still do. People have very negative. I see posts on LinkedIn. Like I saw one today and I wanted to write something and obviously <laughs> I didn't. Um, But I think I'd like to change the way the industry is viewed from an Mm. external perspective, because I think there's a lot of good recruiters out there. And I think that people don't realize exactly the stress we go through to make sure people get get the job. So I'd like to change the perception on recruitment.
0: Love that. Um, Second question. Best ever day in recruitment? Describe it. Do you remember it?
1: Uh, Just about remember it um it was I think it was 2018 the sun was shining um we'd had a good month but it had been one of those weeks when we thought the deals were going to come in and they hadn't so it was Friday lunchtime and then um uh Andy said "Right, let's 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 go out for lunch like we've had a good good month let's go and just, just go and chill out um really nice day went out to our favorite tapas bar in Borough Market, Brindiza, sat out there having Vasa rosé, um, living the life, and then suddenly all these deals came in, <laughs> and so was <laughs> had a drink or two. So we had to whack the laptop out. We some, four of us working on one laptop. People going down the streets to close. <laughs> I think we must have done about um, ten or twelve deals. Just sat out there, um, you know, closing deals whilst whilst eating your patatas bravas <laughs> out, <laughs> out in the sun. Um, it was just one of those. Uh, great days where you look back on and think do you know what when recruitment's good it's the best job ever um yeah days like that help you get through the bad days we all have bad days it's about resilience and remembering those those good times but that was a particularly enjoyable day On,
0: on memory yeah love that yeah um next question is So if, if you could, if, if you could go back and speak to 21 year old Rachel, just Mm. left university, entered the recruitment industry, what what would you say to her?
1: Um, don't be so reactionary. Pick your battles. I think that's Mm. something that I've learned over the years, um, I think it can be a really stressful environment and when you're in a competitive environment as well, you may react in certain ways that you're not particularly proud of. So I would probably say, um, yeah, pick pick your battles, try and be the best version of yourself. When things are going wrong, um, you know, don't take it to heart so much. No one's perfect. I think that's the thing with me. I'm always kind of striving for, for, for perfection in my job. And when something goes wrong, I find it sometimes quite hard to accept. What have I um, done there? What have I done there? And I think it's like, no one's perfect. Pick your battles. Um, and, and yeah, just uh, just support everyone around you, basically. Because I think we're all in it together. And we all need to help, help each other.
0: Love that. A uh, bit of a fun one, this one. What what did you spend your first biggest commission paycheck on?
1: Oh, it doesn't even sound that big now because it's back in 2009. But um, it was an app, one of those new, what was it, the white Apple compute laptops. What were they called? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I can't what, remember what they were Apple Macs. Max? Yeah.
1: Sorry. I'm... Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> so, I've not had enough for ages, but I, the, the white ones. If you remember the white yeah, ones,
2: yeah.
1: notebooks. I remember walking down yeah, the and yeah. World in, in old Kent Road um I think my commission just come in and getting and getting that absolutely uh, buzzing yeah
0: <laughs> love that right <laughs> final question what what's the ultimate goal for your recruitment career
1: oh that's a good one ultimate goal um i guess to build a really successful business and and to to make a lot of money from it as far as that sounds (laughs) I I mean I I kind of have I have um, a vision in mind of where I'd like to be and like how to get there and that would be via I guess growing continually to to grow eventually and just just being as as profitable and as successful as possible
0: love it Rachel I think you've been on a great journey it's definitely inspiring and yeah yeah, thank you so much for uh coming on the podcast
1: thanks for having me it's been great
0: Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? And if you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. And we'll be back
2: next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast.